When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What was even more creepy is I wasn't watching the movie with subtitles, so when she was talking to Edith, I didn't know what she said. I just knew it was bad. She was like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, hell Beware no. Beware <laughs> of Crimson Peak. <laughs> Why can't you just be like, Beware of Thomas Sharp. <laughs> just run. All the way run. Hello and welcome to the Art of Costume Blogcast. I'm Elizabeth Joy Glass. And it is I, Spencer Williams. It is you, Spencer. <laughs> hey, Elizabeth. How are you feeling? I'm good. I have a little bit of a cold this week, but I'm getting through it. You know, just yeah. taking it day by day, trying my best to stay healthy. I think it just worked too much. I think you do, too. I think that might be the root of the problem. <laughs> yeah, probably should drink some more water, too, but that can't be it. Yeah. Actually, what am I saying? Real water. I drink a lot of LaCroix. It's keeping me energized. Uh, how was your week? It was fine. We're dealing with an ant situation in our kitchen. Ew. We have to call somebody, so. I hate summer. See, it's just bugs, heat, I, the sun, I just, <laughs> everything about summer just makes me mad. Uh, the bugs love to come out during the summer. I mean, I'm personally a fan of the summer, but I do understand your uh, issues <laughs> with it. <laughs> Sometimes I just want to move to Alaska and just enjoy those days of night. I think they'll pay you to move to Alaska. Oh, well, Alaska, if you're listening... I might be interested, so send me some information. Yeah. Perhaps a booklet or a brochure. Some information on your great state. <laughs> <sighs> you know who else decided to move to a far-off land, Spencer? <laughs> oh, nice transition. I think I know where you're going with this. Edith Cushing. This week, we watched Crimson Peak. <laughs> yes. I never seen this movie before. But I know that this is one of Elizabeth's personal favorites, mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed it. This is a great way to start off our spooky season. This is like top five favorite costume movies. The story, I'm like a little like iffy on, even though it is a very good story. It is a little hard to follow, but it's such a beautiful movie. Like, there's no arguing that it's a good movie. Yeah, it was a little hard to follow at first, a little slow at first, but once you, like, get into it, I really loved it. I stopped what I was doing. I was like, okay, I'm actually getting into it. Let's do this. Yeah, and I think part of it is, like, I'm I'm not a huge fan of gothic romance, and I feel like he really wrote it as such, so I feel like that's part of the reason it's paced a little bit weird. Well, I just kept telling myself, this is a Guillermo del Toro film, so you're going to like it. Just give it some time. And I was right. You just got to give it some time. Guillermo del Toro has never once disappointed me in my life. He doesn't disappoint. He does not disappoint. Well, with that, I think I'm going to give a little summary on this movie, Crimson Peak. You do that, Spencer. Oh, why, thank you. So, for a summary... After marrying the charming and seductive Sir Thomas Sharp, young Edith finds herself swept away to his remote gothic mansion in the English hills. Also living there is Lady Lucille, Thomas's alluring sister and protector of her family's dark secrets. Able to communicate with the dead, Edith tries to decipher the mystery behind the ghostly visions that haunt her new home. As she comes closer to the truth, Edith may learn that true monsters are made of flesh and blood. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> it's spooky season here at the Art of Costume Blogcast, finally. It is spooky season. If you don't want your spooks spoiled, stop right now. Go watch it. You've had six years. <laughs> yes. So excited. All right, bring us behind the wardrobe. 
I will bring you behind the wardrobe. This amazing wardrobe was brought to you by costume designer Kate Holly and director Guillermo del Toro. Her notable work is Pacific Rim. That was actually her first costume design role, also with Guillermo del Toro. Wow, was it really? Yeah. Impressive. As costume designer. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow, Suicide Squad, the first one. (laughs) (laughs) Not the one that we talked about last week, the one before that. And she's currently working on Lord of the Rings TV series. Is she really? Yes. Ugh. I cannot wait. Do you want to know how she met Guillermo del Toro? I would like to know, yes. She was set to be the costume designer on his version of The Hobbit. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There was his version of The Hobbit somewhere? There was a point in time where he was meant to direct The Hobbit movies. He moved to New Zealand. Like, he was, like, starting production. I don't know exactly what happened, but he ended up having to leave it. Huh. I think I remember this now. It's coming back to me. That's crazy, but also exciting. Yeah, he was set to be the director for a long time. That would have been interesting to see. I would like to see what he would have done with it. I still I still love the Hobbit movies, but it would have been interesting to see that. Yeah, they're they're fun. I feel like his would have been just incredible. But anyways, back to Kate Holly. I mean, that's quite the impressive resume there. She's definitely making her mark. I believe she comes from a a theater background, but she's she's made her way into film, and I love it. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, she does a great job, and apparently her and Del Toro have a really close working relationship, so she was, like, ready to do this. She knows his style. Um, the silhouettes are all Victorian, but they did take some liberty with, like, the details because Del Toro's very symbolic in every aspect of his filmmaking. So they're like, you know, the silhouettes, Victorian. Everything else, like, you know, it fits the period, but they weren't afraid to, like, go a little bit off to service the story. You know, I just realized that we've never covered a Victorian period based costume yet so this is exciting we haven't and this is a little bit later i believe the movie takes place in like the 1890s so it's like the tail end of victorian kind of going into edwardian like gibson girl territory which which you see especially in like that first ball scene so it's really interesting i i love what she did pretty much everything was handmade they just took it to the like 110 they went all the way and most of the costumes in terms of symbology revolve around edith our hero and lucille the sister so for edith she was supposed to represent fertility growth warmth and richness because she's the heiress to her father's huge architecture wealth like firm wealth and there's a picture, The Bridesmaid, by Sir John Everett something. <laughs> Malaise? I don't know. An old-timey portrait. And it's this woman with her hair down, just covering most of her, and she has this yellow dress peeking out underneath. And this was kind of like the main inspiration for Edith's whole look. In contrast to her, Lucille was supposed to be like barren show starvation so blues blacks just dark 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 yeah i definitely see that that i love this movie i love the costuming and i did love the variation in the costumes that told a different story for each of the different characters that was very evident in the colors they used and the silhouettes Ugh, i enjoyed it so much yes so Let's take a little break, and then we'll jump right into the movie. Ooh, I cannot wait. All right, and we are back. Are you ready to jump into this, Spencer? I'm ready. I'm scared, but I'm ready. So, as a young girl in Victorian America, Edith Cushing is visited by the ghost of her mother, who gives her a rather cryptic warning 
of be wearing crimson peak <laughs> the night that they bury her mother. So not traumatizing at all for young little Edith. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, I love young Edith in this because Victorian children, we don't get to see them in film a lot outside of being very, very creepy. So I, I love her nightgown in these first couple scenes because it's almost like foreshadowing what's going to happen in the rest of the movie. Just like the way the light hits it when she's in the hallway with the moths. It's, it's so beautiful and it's like, oh, this is gonna, this is gonna be serious. Yeah. I mean, th- I was telling you during a break, the fabrics in this movie are stupid good. I loved it so much. And I love how the little girl, she's giving me kind of Annabelle vibes when the light was hitting her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Full on Annabelle vibes with her. Uh, even creepier though is the ghost of her mother. Yeah, I was scared. I was like, I don't know what's going on here, but she is scary. I love the fabric once again, that black, really kind of falling apart fabric. Who is stunning, though. I know. It's so scary. I love, like, how skeletal she is. The ghosts in this are very unique. It's not something, like, we see, and it's like, oh... Clearly, she's in what they buried her in with, like, the black veil, the black clothing, and it's just, it's so creepy. I was creeped out. What was even more creepy is I wasn't watching the movie with subtitles, so when she was talking to Edith, I didn't know what she said. I just knew it was bad. She was like, (laughs) and I was like, oh, hell no. (laughs) Beware of Crimson Peak. (laughs) Which I'm like, way to go, Mom. Why can't you just be like, beware of Thomas Sharp? Yeah. If you see Loki show up in your town, you got to go. Run. Just run. (laughs) All the way run. All the way run. And just the detailing on it with the little, you can't really see them in the film, but there's these little like moth looking things like trapped in her tool skirt, like really beautiful. The fully pleated sleeves, which I love the pleating in this. Like, it gives just so much more movement to the clothing. Beautiful. Beautiful and creepy. So much detail. I loved it. It's beautiful. Well, her little encounter with her creepy ghost mother inspires her to be, you know, just a gothic romance writer. When she grows up, she has a whole book ready. and She's like, all right, I'm going to go speak to a publisher about getting this out there. She's really excited. She runs into her old friend, Dr. Alan McMichael, and she's like, oh, you're back. Awesome. He's like, yeah, back from abroad, got back from school. And then his mothers come around, his mother and sisters come around the corner and they're just like, oh, you want to be a writer? Completely disparage her ambitions. They were so rude. I didn't know what they're being rude about, but yeah, I didn't like them at all. It's the 1890s. If you weren't a woman trying to get married, you were nothing. What I did like was Edith's first costume we see her in, in that like yellow golden tone. Ugh, I just want to touch this fabric so bad. It looks so beautiful. Yeah, so she wears gold a lot, and that's meant to represent her wealth. And mm, as she, she's rich, she, she is rich. She is an American heiress in the best way possible. And. That is meant to represent her wealth. I like that they dyed um, Mia, the way they dye her hair to be that really, like, rich gold blonde and not, like, a white blonde. It really, it sets it off perfectly so that it it looks good on her. It complements her. Um, I love this first outfit uh, when she's going to meet the publisher. It's very stylish with, like... Her big sleeves, the cut, the hat with the little netting over it. Super stylish, but, like, kind of simple. And it's like, oh, that's right. Like, she was raised by a practical man. So, like, yeah, she has the money where, like, it all looks stunning. But she's not, like, trying to wear the most ridiculous fashion like Mrs. McMichael and her daughters. (laughs) Yes, 100%. They're doing the absolute most. But then again, I still love... I'm just going to keep talking about the fabrics in this episode of the Art of Costume broadcast because 
the like velvet textures they have so beautiful are they doing the most yeah not practical not at all but it's so good though it's so beautiful the way she mixes like those velvet with the like it looks like either like a brocade or like a heavier silk on mrs mcmichael's jacket it's beautiful and i love her son in contrast like he's just like a young laid-back guy not even wearing a jacket this is victorian england (laughs) what a rebel not wearing his jacket in public (laughs) Ooh, how dare he but he with his mother he's just like really come on (laughs) i i love alan he's a great character and it's like i love you can see him and edith it's like oh he clearly has a thing for her and she's just kind of like okay i've known you my entire life yeah i'm just gonna go ahead and say it edith has a bad taste in men as we will soon find out. <laughs> yeah, she she's young. She learned her lesson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love her her comeback to Mrs. McMichael, who's like, oh, our very own Jane Austen. Didn't she die uh, like a, a spinster or something? And she's like, oh, no, I'd rather be Mary Shelley. She died a widow. <laughs> I was like, that's such a sick comeback. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Elizabeth's like, ooh, I love that one. <laughs> if you If you know your female... 18th century female writers, great burn. Great burn. (laughs) Sick comeback, bro. Sick comeback. So, obviously, because the publisher is just a man in the 1800s, they reject her book because they say it needs a romance in it. And he comments on her handwriting quite a bit. So she's like, you know what? I'm going to go to my dad's office where I where they have the cool new typewriter <laughs> so she can disguise her handwriting. And who walks in but a prospective business partner of her father, Sir Thomas Sharp, baronet, who thinks she's a secretary and compliments her writing because he's a little snoop and he just picks it up off the desk and is like, oh, I'll just read this for a moment. He very quickly realizes he she is Miss Cushing and then goes on to give a very impassioned demonstration of his uh, clay mining machine <laughs> to Mr. Cushing. But Mr. Cushing is like, yeah, no, and sends him away kind of embarrassed. Uh, yeah, I love these scenes. I also <laughs> the glasses on Edith. They're I so love itch- them. <laughs> they age her up, though. Do you they think? They definitely age her up. And it's like, they make her look very bookish, which I feel like is the point in these scenes. Yeah. She goes very glamorous to, like, almost like a different librarian character really quick. All it takes is those glasses. It's really interesting. Yeah, I love it. And I love this scene because she really does look like the secretary. Like, her and the secret- actual secretary behind her have, like, the same silhouette shirt on. But it's, like, clearly she's richer because, like, there's triple the amount of fabric in her dress just to do all those little pleats in it. Oh, yeah. It's pleated to the gods. It's a a beautiful shirt. It's a beautiful shirt. She's got the little, like, pin to keep her tie in place. Super adorable. And then there's Mr. Cushing where it's, like, you can kind of see where she gets her style sense. Because he, as well, looks very, very good. You'll realize later on it's important to him that he look good but very simple and then we have mr thomas sharp looking like the snazziest spirit that ever crossed the atlantic <laughs> yeah he looks good i love his costume i love the black um all i can see is loki <laughs> i know i know it's kind of hard to separate the two i know <laughs> i'm like oh my gosh loki what are you doing here yeah and Edith can't see anything but him either, because later on, she's helping her dad get ready for the McMichaels party. And he, she's like, you know, did you have to be so harsh with Thomas? He, he's trying hard. And his dad's like, there's just something about him. I don't like him. And I love, he can tell she was paying attention because she was like, his clothes were beautiful, but they were 10 years old. Like, they were starting to be worn out. Like, all these little things that, like... Yeah, he kept his clothes nice, but they're old. They're, like, a little bit out of fashion. And he's like, I just don't like it. Please come to this party with me. And she's just like, no, I'm staying in. 
I do not want to go to the party with Alan in his new car, which I'm like, that would have gotten me back then. I would be like, car? Let me see. (laughs) But she's like, no, thank you, Alan. Have a good night. And she's like, I'm going to settle in, work on my book. And her mother's ghost shows up to just scare the out of her. Yeah, for no reason. For no reason to repeat this very cryptic warning yet again. She's like, don't you dare bring your ass to Crimson Peak. And her daughter's like, Mom, I do not know what you are talking about, so please stop scaring me like this. What is Crimson Peak? (laughs) I don't understand. (laughs) Please leave me alone. I'm trying to work. (laughs) So we have Alan and Mr. Cushing looking very dapper. I love how, like, concerned Mr. Cushing is. He's like, do you think I need a corset? like dude you look fine (laughs) no dad you do not need a corset you don't need a corset you look great and she this is like the first of like many spectacular night outfits she will wear again that gold in the velvet and the flower motif is something you're gonna see quite a bit that's one of um edith's big motifs throughout this is flowers And also, the way the costumes interact with the light, because, like, when she's with her father, when she's with Alan just around the house, her outfit looks very cozy and pleasant and, like, homey. But when her mom shows up and it's all dark, it's just, like, she looks uncomfortable and scared and it just, like, drains the shine out of the fabric. Yeah, I'm obsessed with the color. It's so pretty. And the lighting in this film, against all the different colors, it's just flawless. It's flawless. Uh, However, Edith does not make flawless decisions because her mother upset her so much that when Thomas Sharp drops by to be like, hey, can I take you to the party? She's like, no, yeah, yeah, I'll go with you. (laughs) And at the party... Thomas's sister, Lady Lucille, she's entertaining the guests with her her mad piano skills. And unlike everybody else, she's like not super surprised when Edith shows up with Thomas. Because everyone was like, oh, isn't he supposed to be here for Miss Michael? And then when he asked Edith to dance, everyone's like, "Uh uh-oh. But you know what? She looks good. So they can all shut up. Also, Lucille looks incredible. I think this is my favorite costume of the film. I love that red. I guess it's a crimson color, actually. Yeah. That like crimson color with all the pleating in it, the long train. I mean, Jessica Chastain just looks incredible in this film. I know she's a little on the evil side, but I think she might be my favorite. A lot kid. on the evil side, but she. <laughs> this is like one of her best roles, I think, especially because you forget that it's Jessica Chastain. You completely forget about this when she's in this role. Yeah. So this dress they called the drop of blood dress. Ooh. This was not originally a planned look for her. She was supposed to wear the black dress we see her in throughout the rest of their stay in America. She was supposed to be wearing that like the whole time because, you know, they're poor. They're down on their luck. But two weeks before... Del Toro and Jessica were like, "Eh, there needs to be something else. And even Guillermo Del Toro says he's like, we didn't have like any money left to make this dress. Wow. And Kate, she was like, he comes two weeks before and she's like, she knew he wanted something crazy. And she was like, the blue dress took six weeks. And like, that was after prototyping. So she was like, we don't have time for this. But she made it work. Like... They pulled this together in two weeks. They put so much detail into it. It's insane. So the lacing in the back is supposed to look like her skeleton. You're really supposed to be able to like feel her bones coming out of it. Also, they wanted the dress to be red to match the ring because it's like... You know, she is the Lady of Crimson Peak, and she's not going to let anybody take that away from her. Yeah. I wish the audience could see these detail photos that you're showing me right now, because the detailing, I didn't even notice, like, the skeletal structure going down her spine. That is amazing. It's insane. And so when I, it was like a little, like, video featurette where 
he was like, we did not have the money to do this. So I was like, what was their production budget? They only had $55 million to make this. That was it. <laughs> That's not that much. That's not that much. And, like, by this point, like, everyone in this is, like, a pretty well-known actor. So, you know, they were getting paid well. Heck, yeah. So it's like, yeah, you did not have any money. But, like, it looks like they had money on this movie. Yeah, I mean, that dress looks expensive, but so good. I'm obsessed with it. I think that's my favorite costume in the entire movie, and I'm pretty sure she's my favorite character. I'm just going to say it. Uh, That's not surprising. She has Cersei vibes. (laughs) That's what it is. (laughs) Complete another Cersei vibes. Now, I love that in this scene, Edith is just the complete opposite of her. She is like... She looks like just the perfect, like, angel character in this scene with, like, the white top, just all satin and, like, just delicate pearl details. Like, again, beautiful but very simple. Yeah, she's giving real angel vibes to me. I love that Liberace cape, like, collar that she has around her neck. That's flawless. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) It's beautiful. There's also, I couldn't, did I? No, I couldn't really get a good picture of it, but there's, like, a black piece of, like, fabric detail in the back that kind of, like, offsets the whole look very nicely. So it's just like, oh my gosh, it's like, look after look. And again, when you see her in the, like, crowd of people, it's like, she's the most simply dressed person there, but by far the best looking person. I do feel like Lucille might be the best looking person there, but I agree. Edith is definitely up there. Our Lucille is definitely a close second. (laughs) But, you know, after this, you know, her father is getting a bit concerned. So he hires Mr. Holly, a private investigator. And she's like, he's like, I need you to look into these two. He's like, I don't think they're up to any good. Edith visits Alan at his office. He's like, oh, let me show you my collection of ghost photos. And he's also like, hey, I don't know about the sharps. So everyone's down on the sharps. Uh, Mr. (laughs) I love Mr. Holly. I don't know if it's just because, like, I like that actor, Vern Gorman. He's, like, the one of the best English character actors. He's in, like, a million and two things. I love his suit. It says investigator all over it. I know. It's very, like, Sherlock Holmes vibes. And then I love Mr. Sharp. He's just, like, at his club getting ready in his his robe. And he's like, hey, I need you to look at these people for me. So spooky. I wanted to know, too. I was like, something is up with these two people. Like, when you saw Lucille playing on the piano in that crimson dress, you're like, okay, this girl has a story. Absolutely. And Edith, she's just not going to hear it. Uh, I love this scene when she's in the office with Alan, because she's wearing the same thing she was wearing before. So it's like, she is a practical person. She's not wearing something new every day. She's very practical and, like, you know, it. She feels like the kind of person that would notice when something's up with an individual. Yeah, she loves her gold dress, and she's going to wear it. Too bad if you've seen it before. But, you know, she doesn't take these warnings seriously. She spends more and more time with Thomas because he's supportive of her writing. He's like, this is good. And so she's automatically, you know, hanging out with Lucille. And it's like, her creepiness alone should have been a red flag to Edith. (laughs) Yeah. Every time Lucille opened her mouth, I was like, eh, what's your agenda? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. And you kind of see in this one, another symbol for Edith and Lucille. Lucille's a moth and Edith is a butterfly. So she's kind of like coming into her own through this film. So you see her, the sleeves of her dress kind of get like fuller and fuller. Also, you'll start to notice more and bigger flower details because it's like, oh, she's like blossoming into the person she's supposed to be. But Lucille, she's a moth. She is just living in the dark. So she's always in black or blue. Like that red dress never comes back. She's always wearing something very dark. And I love this outfit, especially the hat. (laughs) Yeah, that is that is a beautiful costume. Very like a My Chemical Romance Black Parade yeah. <laughs> meets Victorian era versus Sweeney Todd Dracula. Like <laughs> it's so good. 
Yeah. It's so good. And it's like, I love the black because it's like black you can make look good on very little money. Hey, I know that's right. But she's like, okay, we got the little like white lace details, which is probably something she added on. Don't understand the hat. Could find no notes on the hat. It looks like a face on top of her head. It is a face. Oh, that's so weird. It's a face. I don't know why. She loves a spooky hat. You know, she's going to like the Victorian era Hot Topic and buying whatever they have in that store. You know, just all the creepy stuff she could find. All the creepy stuff she can find. And her and Thomas look incredible next to each other. That's one thing they kind of do low-key is, like, they match a lot. So it's like, they look good. They look like the ultimate goth kids in this scene. They're really giving me, like, Sweeney Todd vibes. I mean, I know you haven't seen Sweeney Todd, but this... You'll see. We get all the vibes. I've seen I've <laughs> seen quite a few pictures, so I get what you're saying. Um, and Edith practical yet again she's she's wearing that same skirt but with this this new top and also in this you get to see something way better that she's been wearing this whole time it's the belt with the hands so apparently mourning jewelry was a thing in the victorian era and that belt is supposed to be made of her mother's hair what the braided part of the belt is her mother's hair this is this why her mom keeps coming up into her bedroom every night. Cause she's doing weird, sh- like wrapping her mom, dead mom's hair around her, her waist. Her dad probably had that made for her. Like, when you're a woman, I will give this to you. <laughs> wow, thanks, dad. I will. So. I was hoping for my dead mom's hair to wrap around my waist. So, thank you. This is a great gift. Her loving hands to hold her throughout the rest of her life. I did like the belt, because when you see Edith, especially compared to Lucille, I always think of Edith as, like, a warm hug, you know? And the hands around her waist, it's just like, you see Edith, and you just feel comfortable. You're like, ah, she's a good person. Like, a warm hug. She's a good person. And she has a lot of great hats in this film. She's another person. Great hats. Great hats. We love a good hat. We love a good hat. (laughs) I was actually looking at hats today. I want to get, like, a white version of the black one I have. <laughs> so, Edith, she she's falling in love with Thomas. She's spending more and more time with them. But Mr. Cushing finds out from Mr. Holly that, yeah, you, you shouldn't like these two. They're up to no good. And at a dinner party at their house, Mr. Cushing's like, I know what's up. Here's money. Leave tomorrow morning. Thomas, you got to break her heart so she doesn't come after you. So he does. He's like, I hate you. Your novel sucks. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) And this dress, they called the heartbreak dress. And this is another one of those just utterly pleated, head-to-toe, beautiful dresses. Like, it really let her move. Because the next day, she gets that letter from Thomas being like, I loved you. Your father paid me off to leave. I will marry you when I have money and can come back to get you. So she... When she's running to his apartment, it is so beautiful, like, because it flows around her. It, like, conveys the energy of, like, what she's trying to do. And I love when she's running up the stairs, you can actually see her petticoats, and they're, like, light pinks and creams. And it's, like, she's just a delicate little flower. (laughs) It's so much pleading. I mean, this is the film of pleading. I'm obsessed with it. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful, and her running pays off. (laughs) Thomas is there. He's like, I'm sorry. I love you. I want to marry you. So romantic. I mean, this is a true love story. It's a true love story, and they real quick, you know, there's some trauma bonding, because she finds out that her father was horribly murdered. Yeah, at the same time, they're confessing their love for one another. Lucille's down at her dad's salon, smashing his face in. <laughs> what the f- I know, I know. That that was like, and then when she has to identify the body, it was just like, ooh, girl. Ugh, this is the part, I texted you at this part, and I was like, uh, question mark, question mark. That just scared the, the life out of me. <laughs> I was not expecting. I told you it was jump scary. 
Well, I kind of forgot, you know, because I feel like it was kind of slow, this part of the movie, and I kind of forgot for a second. This is a Guillermo del Toro movie, so he's not afraid to shy away from blood and scary things. And when she smashed his head into the sink, it that woke me up. That got my attention. I was like, oh, oh okay. Yeah, and I love that they just clearly, like, her and Thomas eloped, like, the next day. Because at her funeral, she's got the sharp ring on. Yeah. What a beautiful funeral, though. I know. I wish you could, like, I tried finding better pictures of it. I wish you could see her hat and everything better. But it's just, he has the perfect black funeral. Everything blends together. (laughs) Yeah. It's all dark, very gothic, all blends together, very gloomy. It's hard to see the details, but the details are there if you look closely. And Edith, she's ready to escape. She's ready to go to England after our break. Are you ready to go to England, Spencer? I mean, I looked up the Google Maps on this house, and I would maybe have second thoughts about traveling to England, but she does it anyway, so let's do it. 1890. No Google Maps. (laughs) Okay, let's take a break. Are you happy to be in England, Spencer? (laughs) Not sure yet, (laughs) but yes, I'm ready. Edith, she's not sure yet either, because Arendelle Hall, the Sharp Estate, not quite what she imagined. All the red clay is a bit messy, to say the least. And a less than warm welcome from Lucille, who just like refuses to relinquish her place as mistress of the house and her unwillingness to let her and Thomas get closer, you know, it it puts her off a little bit at first. Yeah, this place is a dump. Yeah. I mean, like, I know that they were like, oh, we lost our fortune, yada, yada. But Mr. Sharp should have been like, hey, the place is real sketchy, dumpy looking. Like, the ceiling's not even there. It's snowing inside. That's a red flag, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Red (laughs) Flag. And I'm like, what were your ancestors thinking building their home on, like, red clay? Like, it's sinking. Yeah, I, I was so confused at first. I was like, what is going on here? I, for some reason, missed that it was clay in the first part of this movie. I was like, is this blood? What is going on? Is it paint? What's happening? Clay makes sense. What a pretty nasty neighborhood to live in. I know. And she comes into this house looking so gorgeous. She has this beautiful jacket with like the capelet on top all of these little flowers all of which were handmade by the way they handmade every single one of those flowers but it's that whole like she's blossoming so like the flowers on this are bigger than they have been in the past and then also underneath you'll see she has a gold yellow dress on again and this time it's a little more it's a little more of a yellow gold than like a true gold because She is now the canary in the coal mine. (laughs) She is not... Things are not good for her. She doesn't know that yet. So she just has her fabulous flowers, even in the back of her hat. I love that you said canary in a coal mine. Like, that's such a cool way to put it. I didn't even think of that. That's exactly what they were going for. Because it's like, from the moment she steps in that house, it's like, she's dead. Like, there's not supposed to be any getting out for her. And... We finally get to see, you know, <laughs> Lucille's just at home wear, which I'm like, this is pretty fancy for just <laughs> wearing around your dilapidated house. Uh, this one, they kind of, they hand painted to try and like show you just how skeletal she really is. And one of the things with this film is they had to make a ton of multiples because like things get rough, things get nasty, but like the like applique and stuff they would like detach it and then put it on the duplicates so that like they didn't have to have as many of those i can't believe they made multiples of these dresses that's insane they had to i mean i know that's pretty common but like these are so exquisite this blue velvet that we're looking at i mean it it's built like a Grecian statue with all the drape on it it's so stunning and it feels very like 
decaying with the applique. It feels like she's like she's been wearing this for years and years and years. Like the house is growing onto her. It's so cool. Yeah, and it's like it's really the only thing she wears for throughout the rest of the movie. Um but Edith is like, okay, whatever. I'm just gonna settle into my new house. Creepy sister-in-law aside. <laughs> but Things get a little bit hard when she starts seeing ghosts again, and not just her mother's ghosts. Creepy, half, I mean, obviously they're ghosts. They're dead. (laughs) (laughs) Creepy, half-dead-looking ghosts. Red ghosts crawling throughout the house. But she's like, what's going on? And Thomas is like, they're shadows. You're getting used to the place. It's fine. So she's like, okay. Guess I'm just going to try to get to know the two of you better. (laughs) And back in America, Alan is like, how did Mr. Cushing die? This is suspect. Very sus. But I love this, this bathing scene. And like, just the, like, even the little things you don't see very often are so beautiful. Oh, yeah. I love that beige color on her and i love like the netting on it the the crochet almost it feels very the fabrics tell such a story in this film and it feels like very decayed very kind of haunted mansion-esque it's so beautiful it's something like like if you were to crack open a coffin this is what like said corpse would be wearing but it's still very like lively and beautiful on her in the present day yeah, and I love I love the netting because it's almost like, oh, this is y- your fish getting caught in their net. Like, this is your first step of that. Ooh, some imagery there. Thank you. <laughs> um, but again, I love how she mixes fabrics because the netting is very prominent. But then there, it's this beautiful, like, silk patterned for the rest of it. But it just blends beautifully together. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, you also, this is the first time you get to see... Her classic nightgown with all the pleading in the world and with how the light shines through it, you're like, oh, yeah, they chose this for very specific reason. But uh, more on that later. She's just trying to get to know the new place. And again, these beautiful robes. Like, I forgot this about this one with um the huge, huge sleeves the like leaf motif all over it. I'm just like, it's why are these stunning? Like every single time. <laughs> I love how all of the gowns in this movie are like always trailing behind the characters because there's so much happening on the like floors. For example, in the mansion, she's like pushing through snow or pushing through leaves when they're outside or dragging behind like the red clay behind them. And it looks like blood, like the characters are just like trailing blood behind them. It's so interesting and just like great storytelling. The costumes are carrying this movie for me right now. (laughs) Yeah, they are. And it's just like, I I love, as you said, I love like that they're on the ground because it's like, that's so foreboding because it's like, how can you protect yourself in something like that? And there we have Alan starting to get it together, finally wearing a jacket in public. Oh, that's nice of him. A very sophisticated looking jacket. Good job, Alan. Very sophisticated. Very brown. He's always wearing brown. I'm like, you can have had a little bit more fun. Especially since everything behind him is brown. So it kind of gets lost a little bit. I know, but I think that's part of the point. Like, he he doesn't quite know what's going on. He knows something's up. He just doesn't know what. But either she she doesn't know anything's amiss quite yet. She's exploring the house and just having strange encounter after strange encounter. She finally finds a trunk with the name Enola in the basement. And she's just like, I don't know what's going on. So again... We have this uh, yellow gold, and they called this the Nancy Drew dress, because it's the one she's always, like, exploring in. On the sleeves, again, she has those big flowers, big sleeves, and I love just the detail that went into these. I am a huge fan of the sleeves in this film. I believe they're called, are they called leg of mutton sleeves? Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, that was one of my favorite patterns. For some reason, when I was in college and I had to sew things all the time, I was always giving them Lego mutton sleeves. And my <laughs> Just making pat- it harder for yourself. <laughs> Literally, I was all the time. And my patterning teachers would be like, okay, it looks nice, but like, why are you doing this to yourself all the time? I was just obsessed with that sleeve. I love like the billowing coming out from the shoulder. It's one of my favorite all-time silhouettes. I think I've just always had a big love for like Victorian fashion and costuming. One of my all-time favorite shows is Penny Dreadful with Ava Green. And this just reminds me of that. It's so beautiful. And I'm obsessed with the flower motifs, too, like you mentioned. Now, I didn't notice that the first time. Yeah, it's very subtle, um, but it really speaks a lot about her character. And then again, I'm like, girl, you got to stop, like, creeping around at night. (laughs) But every time she carries this candlestick, just the way the light comes through her sleeves, I'm like, oh, it's so creepy. Oh, that's so magical, though. I was suspicious. I was like, I bet you all these red corpse ghosts that she's seeing, I bet you it's because they're buried in the clay somewhere. And when I saw this basement scene, I was like, oh, there's bodies in there somewhere. I know. I know. Which is cool because it's like the ghosts, when you see them, they're representing how they looked when they died, which we'll see later on specifically. Yeah. So Edith, she's like, what's with this trunk? She tries to confront Thomas about it. All of this, but he's, like, preoccupied with the business. He's, like, trying to get this machine to work. And she's trying to talk to him about it. And he's like, da-da-da-da. Winter's coming. The snow turns red. We turn into Crimson Peak. And she's like, excuse me? <laughs> we're where? <laughs> we're, where are we? He's like, Crimson Peak. She's like, oh, no. Mother was right. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. She's like, wait, my dead mom told me not to go here several times. <laughs> Always listen to your dead mother. Just, <laughs> I feel like that should be a rule in life. Listen to your dead mother. <laughs> if like she comes back to tell you something, it's important. <laughs> Both of our moms are listening to this podcast right now. Like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Both of our mothers are very much alive, so we don't need to worry about that. (laughs) Very much alive. (laughs) Sorry, Mom. I do listen to you when you're alive, too. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, you know, I will extra listen to you if you come back with a message from the beyond. I actually will. I feel like I'll be less motivated to listen to my mom if she's passed. If she starts haunting me in my house, it's fully because my mom knows I'm afraid of stuff like ghosts and she'll be doing it just to mess with me in the afterlife. Yeah. But if she if she like gives you a message like beware of Sunset Boulevard on August 29th you'll stay away from sunset boulevard on august 29th yeah that's fair did i tell you that my mom just to scare me as a kid this is her parenting way do you remember to show scare tactics vaguely i don't think i was allowed to watch it yeah well okay the premise of the show is it's like a hidden camera show where you set up like your friend or your girlfriend or your mom and then they play a prank on them like a scary prank with ghosts or goblins or zombies or clowns and it's scary and then at the end they'd be like are you scared and they'd be like yeah because you're on scare tactics my mom used to threaten me and be like you better watch out because one of these days i'm gonna put you on scare tactics oh no And I would always be like, no, mom, please. So I feel like as a ghost, my mom would just be like living all her fantasies of scaring me. Probably. Anyways. (laughs) Edith, however, Edith is really on a real life episode of Scare Tactics. So she's officially freaked out. And then back in America, Alan is just so suspicious of the Sharps. He finds Mr. Holly. And is like, what do you know about these people? And he's like, well, I know Thomas Sharp is already married to someone who's not Edith. Ooh. And Alan's like, uh-oh, I I got to go save her. Yeah, this isn't good. But I love this green and yellow number she's wearing. <laughs> uh, I bet you do. It's nice. I Like I said, the velvet, I love like that cactus green on her. It looks so good with the yellow. The color schemes are just chef's kiss chef's kiss like this is really it's one of the first things she wears that kind of fits into the house a lot of what she wears does not fit into the house but this you kind of get that like oh she's she's growing into this house 
Wow, that's so interesting. I've never seen that before. Like the pieces like on her shoulders that connect to the neck. It's like a plant or a flower or something that's coming out of her neck. Yeah, they're probably supposed to be like little berries or something. So interesting. It's so odd and interesting at the same time, but beautiful. We're going to have to post a lot of these photos on our Instagram or something so people could see all the detail. Oh, yeah. But things are not getting so beautiful for her. And she's just like beginning to fall ill. She finds the house unbearable because all of these ghosts are reaching out to her. And she's finally able to escape for a night when she and Thomas get snowed into the local town. She's just like, ugh, finally, finally some peace and quiet alone with my man. Yeah, it worked out for her in the end. Eyebrows, eyebrows. It did work out for her in the end. <laughs> Absolutely. And then back in America, not only does Alan find out that Thomas was already married, but that Lucille is suspected of her mother's murder. And he's like, uh-oh. And then Edith becomes extremely suspicious when Lucille, she is furious the next morning when they come home. Oh my goodness. A full-on tantrum. Tantrum that they spent the night away from the house. And Edith is like, I don't know what's going on, and I don't know why I got a letter from Milan. I I have no idea who this is from. <laughs> I screamed and jumped off my couch when she slammed those eggs down onto the counter. I gotta go. Right? I will start running down the street. <laughs> and then the way she she looks like, oh my gosh, what could have happened? Yeah, and Edith is like, eh... Are you mad? Because I... I did nothing wrong. I was just with my husband for a night. Ooh, Jessica Chastain killed this role. She kills this role. I also... I love what she wears into town because that's the same jacket or coat she wore when she came to the house, just with all the flowers removed. I was like, I love how they reuse stuff. If you look at the flowers on her hat, though, it's almost like the flowers have kind of a decayed look now. You know, yeah. like the color in her is slowly leaving and the flowers are slowly starting to like crumple up and get dark and really kind of gray, yeah. which is pretty telling of what's going on in her life right now. Exactly. Things aren't going great. Alan, still brown. I'm like, why is everything in America brown? <laughs> I'm not a brown person at all. Even but. Mr. Holly, I'm like, you You blend into everything as well. It makes a bit more sense. Stop eating the peanuts. The Americans in this movie are really getting showed up right now. I know. It's it's sad. Uh, Edith, though, I could not get a good picture of what she wears to bed. It just wasn't possible. This is the best I could do. <laughs> I believe eventually ends up in being nothing to bed, if you get what I'm saying. Probably. Probably. <laughs> but her, like, chemise is, like, this beautiful lace. And it's, like, she has that pink, pinkish, yeah, pinkish petticoat on. And it's, like, girl, you're ready for this. <laughs> it almost looks like Tom Hiddleston's wearing, like, a green suspenders for a little bit. I'm like, okay, Loki, calm down. I couldn't figure it out, but I think he's actually wearing a deep green for a lot of this movie. It just shows up as black. Yeah. It's not helping in the sense that he looks a lot like Loki right now. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But that was a nice sex scene, though. Not gonna lie. I know. I was like, <laughs> Loki's ass. All right. <laughs> you don't get this in the Marvel movie. <laughs> no, you don't. Uh, but it was also confusing, though, because I'm like, does Thomas actually have feelings for Edith? And at this moment, I was like, I think he does. Mm -hmm. He's just like also wrapped up in this very evil scheme, but he's low-key falling for Edith. He is falling for Edith big time, but this is the last peaceful night either of them are going to have. Spencer, are you ready for the dramatic conclusion after our break? Yeah, I need to take a break. I'm still winding down from that sex scene, so I need a couple minutes. Everybody take a couple minutes. We'll be right back. <laughs> Thank you. 
Elizabeth, are you ready for probably the worst couple nights of this young couple's lives? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Things only get darker and darker from here. Yeah. Because Edith opens up that mysterious letter. It's from Enola, <laughs> the woman whose trunk is in the basement. And she begins to realize the Sharps, they're only after her money. And she still has not transferred over all of her estate. Eesh. So she's like, oh, my gosh, I only have till this money is here to live. So she gets into investigation mode. She finds out that Thomas has not been married just one time before, but three. They have all been killed by poison, and she herself is becoming too ill to escape. However, Alan has come to England after finding out that Lucille murdered their mother. And by listening to the ghosts, Edith finds Lucille and Thomas in bed together. Okay. Do I sense another incest scene on the Art of Costume broadcast. <laughs> there's been too much incest recently. <laughs> Every episode we do, there's some sort of incest now. <laughs> uh, this, this was a lot. Like, Alan comes during that storm, and I'm like, dude, hang on a second. I mean, he gets there just in time. However. I will say, you're probably not going to like where I'm going with this, but Tom Hiddleston and Jessica Chastain do make a cool couple, though. Just saying. If we walked away. She has been grooming him since he was a child. <laughs> I'm not saying they're characters. I'm saying as actor and actress, they look cute together. They do have. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'll give you that. Uh, anyway. So the ghosts really come out in this third act in a big way. Once they realize like Edith is on their side and that she knows she needs to escape they're like girl girl <laughs> your husband is sleeping with his sister <laughs> also they're psychopaths <laughs> they're, she's definitely a psychopath he's just been listening to her um but yeah so what you were saying about their bodies being red because of the red clay that's absolutely what they were going for and he really just wanted them to have a humanity in them but still look way different than like any other ghosts we've seen before edith's mother and lady sharp are actually played by doug jones wow. who is in a lot of guillermo del toro movies the legendary doug jones legendary he's an amazing amazing character actor and i'm like of, co of course he was the main ghost. The legendary Doug Jones has played so many of my favorite characters. He was in Hellboy. He was in Hocus Pocus, who played Billy Butcherson. He was in Pan's Labyrinth, Shape of Water. I mean, Doug Jones is just a legend. I love him he, so much. He's an incredible performer. And, like, he makes these ghosts, like, they look so creepy. And, like, the fact that they're, like actual actors mostly prosthetic like it's really not performance capture it's a lot of prosthetics that they enhance with digital effects they're so artistic they are built like artistic sculptures yeah it's just incredible also incredible these final nightgowns. I agree. They are incredible. So beautiful. Jessica Chastain, my God, she's just glowing all the time. Her skin is radiant. It's, yeah. Like, that nightgown drapes perfectly around her. The, the robe with the red bell. It's just like, girl, she's getting it. <laughs> and she's trying to get Edith. So, Edith runs off after seeing them in bed together Lucille chases her and just pushes her off the stairs just as Alan is coming up to the door. Yeah, talk about awkward. Alan was like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> and they're just like, oh, it's fine. No, we're going to try to murder both of you. Thomas, though, he's doing everything he can to help them escape because he has fallen in love with Edith. Like... He does not care about, he cares about his sister, but he's like, I, like, this is not right. Like, <laughs> we need to get out of this. He's having a come to earth moment here at Crimson Peak. He is. He's like, we gotta stop doing this. And she straight up murders him. 
just stabby, 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 knife through the face. He's dead. Uh, that was horrific. That was horrific. I was so mad. I literally picked up my phone and I was getting ready to call Elizabeth while she was at a theme park and be like, what kind of garbage movie are making me watch? I felt so nauseous. That was messed up. <laughs> and like he, he falls into the chair and you think like he's just going to die. But then he pulls the knife out. Oh, my God. I could still I could feel it like it was in my eyeball when I was watching it. It's it's a lot. Uh and then she's distraught over killing him. So she just chases Edith through the house until Edith kills her with the help of Thomas's ghost. <laughs> and she and Alan walk away from the house as the townspeople are like, so what's going on up here? Hey, we heard some commotion. I got a call about domestic disturbance. Th- this American guy told us to come up here when the store was storm was done. I was in love with the end of this movie. It felt like such a cool horror moment. I love the scene when Lucille was just chasing Edith through these really creepy moth-covered hallways. And like so typical horror movie fashion, just running with a knife and chasing Edith. I was in love with it. I was. This is such a fun horror movie moment. It was so cool. It is. And so Kate Holly did an interview with Jezebel. And she says this about the nightgowns. She's like a chrysalis at this point. So the butterfly is dying and becoming this little husk. It's all about running around in nightdresses through long corridors that also blended to the fabric. When Guillermo said to me, it's about a house that breathes. That's why we chose the lightest fabric. Just a little thing to try and help the storytelling with the idea of the house. So beautiful. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite things with which you and I have talked about is the idea of storytelling through costume design. How costumes have the power to really just tell the story through color and through movement. And this movie was just pinnacle, that idea. I mean, the way the costumes moved, the way they breathed, the way they trailed in the red clay, and the decaying colors. The way the light shows through them. Yeah, it's just like, this was epic epic costuming i'm so glad we watched this movie together because it was so fun it was so epic and just like as the red clay and the blood is staining her dress it's just like uh it like it's destroying it but it's also making it more beautiful and then just like when lucille runs down those steps the way her like the sleeves and the skirt and the nightgown just like billow all the way down it's like oh my gosh and the way that the color of the like crimson red blood on her costumes against like the white snow too it's just color was so strong in this movie i'm obsessed with it and finally thomas does something right <laughs> after he's dead yeah <laughs> i would be so mad if i were thomas if i had to be a ghost now with that big old ugly knife wound under my eye i know i'd be like dang it lucille you're coming with me this is messed up well he has to be a ghost in the same house she's a ghost in <laughs> is she she's haunting the house from now on but is thomas because he disappeared like i feel like he was avenged so he disappeared does he have to stay there i don't know that's a great question because lucille is gonna be playing the piano for all eternity yeah until like a bunch of teenagers buy the house and move in there and find the piano yeah find the bodies (laughs) in the basement hopefully the townspeople got the bodies in the basement (laughs) yeah like you guys might want to check around the basement it's pretty sketchy. Uh, that brings us to the end of Crimson Peak. Such a beautiful movie. Such a beautiful movie and such a great start to spooky season here at the Art of Costume Blogcast. This was a great pick. This was just like a little spook spook. I'm telling you, that that knife to the eyeball, I almost took off running down the street. I was like, what? <laughs> that was messed up. Of course, though. Like, I should have known. It's a Guillermo del Toro film. What was I yeah. expecting? Yeah, no. There's a lot of violence, but it's it's kind of, like, spread out throughout the film. And it's, like, when it's violent, it is violent. And I love the idea that, like, it's hyped up to be, like, the scary ghost story. The scary parts of the movie are not the ghosts, though. That's the thing. It's, like, 
these creepy ancestral siblings, they're the scary part of this house. Yeah, and it's like the ghosts are only trying to help. And also, in her the book she's writing, she talks about like, oh, the ghost is just a symbol for the past. Mind you, the ghosts were not the best messengers. I mean, they no. could work on like their communication skills. Because well, they really approached Edith in a creepy way every time. <laughs> like, the one carrying her dead baby, I was like, ma'am. That's Lucille's baby. That's Lucille's and Thomas's baby. <laughs> but I know, but I'm saying the messaging, I wonder why Edith ran away screaming every time. <laughs> I'm just like, it all goes back to her mother. Her mother should have just said, stay away. From Thomas Sharp, Baronet. She literally could have been like, Edith, if you ever meet Tom Hiddleston, run opposite direction. Run. If you see a Loki, run. <laughs> a Loki variant. Uh, we're going to be seeing a lot of those. We are going to be seeing a lot of those. What are we watching next week, Spencer? Next week, we are watching one of the greatest Marvel TV shows out there. There's not that many. Uh, Loki. <laughs> yeah. We are going to be watching Loki with Tom Hiddleston. We will not be watching it with Tom Hiddleston. We don't have those kind of connections. Oh, I mean, he's in it. He won't be here. Sorry to anyone oh, who just got okay. excited. Okay. Tom Hiddleston will not be joining us, though I guess I do have about a week to make that happen. So maybe I'll work on it. You do that. I don't think you would be able to concentrate if Tom Hiddleston was in this zoom right now i wouldn't i wouldn't <laughs> that would be terrible i'd just be constantly embarrassing myself <laughs> i would pay for that actually oh no <laughs> oh that'd be funny if someone out there who's friends with tom hiddleston please like hook me up let's make this happen for elizabeth no so embarrassing that or or benedict cumberbatch oh that would be even worse <laughs> But thank you all for listening. Share us with your friends. If you know someone who likes costumes, share us with them. If you know someone who hates costumes, share us with them. We'll change their minds. Yeah, I want to have a talking to with them. I'm going to maybe get engaged to them and bring them to my creepy mansion in England mm -hmm. that's sitting on top of a clay deposit. Uh, anybody worried about that? <laughs> I will call the police. So don't worry about it. <laughs> See you all next week. See you next week. The Art of Costume Blogcast is hosted by Elizabeth Joy Glass and Spencer Williams. Produced by Elizabeth Joy Glass with associate producer Spencer Williams. Our sound design and engineering is done by Daniel White. Follow us on Instagram at the Art of Costume Pod. Or visit the Art of Costume Blogcast.com for all blogcast updates. For more costume reviews, deep dives, and interviews, visit theartofcostume.com, a blog dedicated to highlighting the best in costume design.